It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, It is almost the weekend, which is exciting. Just one more day and then we are there. This is, of course, Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are a daily podcast about all things Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I am your host, Jay Foster. Today, we're going to talk about why the Blue Jackets... Uh, apparently can't do both offense and defense at the same time. Uh, And we've also got uh, a little bit of basketball at the end for you. So just to, just to mix, mix things up. Um, So Tuesday's game was, uh, it sure did happen. Um, I actually, I want to say that I liked the, the first period, but I didn't even really like the first period. Uh, we had three shots on goal, um, and it just so happens that two of them, two of them went in, which seems super sustainable. And like we can keep that up for the rest of the season. Um, it's just it feels like every time we fix one aspect of our game, something else kind of goes by the wayside. Uh, except for the power play, which we'll get into a little bit later, but continues to be haunted. Um, but in terms of like, in terms of actual game stuff, there were some things I liked. Uh, there were some things I didn't like. Um, but like I said, it's it started it started really well. Uh, we scored on our first shot of the game, like two minutes in. Uh, Kevin Stenland. Got his first of the season. Uh, Koivu got his first assist as a Blue Jacket uh, on his first shift, I believe, which is always good. Um, kind of a, I don't want to say a lucky goal, but if I'm Bobrovsky, I want that one back. Um, it was, it just kind of slid underneath one of his one of his pads, which is not ideal. Um, but was kind of what I expected from the Bobrovsky of last season. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how we play tonight against a goalie that's not Bobrovsky. Um, Because, you know, I was talking to Armando Velez of Locked On Panthers the other day, and, you know, we talked about how even in team scrimmages, like Chris Drieger, the backup, has looked much better than, than Sergei Bobrovsky so far this season so you know we'll kind of see how that shakes out um continues on we don't get another shot on goal uh, for another seven minutes and six seconds uh alexander texier uh is standing directly in front of bobrovsky and somehow the puck just kind of pops in over his shoulder Uh, i thought bjorkstrand had scored at first Um, and was really excited to be able to donate a little bit more money to Bravo AVP, uh, which is the charity that I am pledging money to this season for every Bjorkstrand goal and every Blue Jackets shutout. But it was not to be. Um, 
Texier managed to get a stick on it, uh, and that is uh, shots on goal two, also goals two. Um, and we proceeded to get outshot for the rest of the game. Um, that being said, we only uh, surrendered one goal uh, in the period. I think uh, shots ended up being, I think, 11 to 3 at the end of the period. Uh, one of those went in, Cardiff Hagee, who apparently just scores when he wants now. Um, that top line of Florida is a lot of fun to watch unless they're playing against us. Um, the Anthony Duclair revenge tour continues. Uh, he had a two-point game against us, which is not as bad as the time he scored a hat-trick in his return to Nationwide last season, but it's still not particularly fun to see. Uh, Alex Wenberg got his first assist as uh, against the Blue Jackets, secondary assist on that for Hagee goal, and we go into the first period up 2-1. Um, it's all kind of seeming not great. Uh, obviously, you want to see more shots on goal, but at the end of the day, the score sheet is where it counts, and we were leading 2-1 at that point, so I didn't particularly have good feelings, but I was willing to look past that because there have been cases where we've been on the other end of this and it is intensely frustrating. Um, however, I would like to remind you all, you know, if you didn't see the game, that the Blue Jackets have yet to win a game where they open the scoring. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and that was, in fact, in my mind for the rest of the game uh, because this apparently is our new curse. Uh, second period is mostly uneventful, um, both for good and bad reasons. Uh, Alexander Barkov scores his first of the season. Um, he's too good. Um, I knew objectively he was good, but I haven't really paid a lot of attention to it before, with Florida not being in our division, uh, and obviously with us being mostly focused on the return of Bobrovsky last season. Uh, I didn't pay a ton of attention to Alexander Barkov, but man, he's he's really good at what he does um and he made us look a little bit a little bit stupid on that goal so i i made a joke uh to my friends we're talking about how um patrick lana and alexander barkov grew up together they're you know really good friends barkov's contract is up at the end of this season i believe uh and much like the Taylor Hall of last season jokes, I've decided that this season my unrealistic free agent get is going to be uh, Alexander Barkov because I would like a top line of Barkov centering line A and Bjorkstrand. Please and thank you, Mr. Kekalainen. Anyway, uh, and that was that was kind of it for the second period. Uh, we took a lot of... We didn't take a lot of penalties. We drew a lot of penalties uh, and did approximately nothing with them, which is on brand for this Blue Jackets team. Uh, and then in the third period, uh, literally like a minute in, we take a penalty. And I'm like, okay, I that's fine. Uh, I've never really kind of been worried about the power, the penalty kill, uh, or the power kill, as uh, Alison Lucan calls it. Uh, and here is why. Uh, at the start of the period, I tweeted on the LO underscore Blue Jackets Twitter, uh, it'd be nice to see Atkinson get a goal this period. Uh, a minute twenty in, we're on the pe- we're on the penalty kill. Uh, Felina with an amazing, hell of a breakout pass to Cam Atkinson, and he scores his first of the season. 
shorthanded goal for the shortest Blue Jacket. Uh, again, that's one Bobrovsky's gonna want back. Um, and, you know, we are currently at one power play goal scored on the season and one shorthanded goal scored on the season, so that that's fine. Um, and then the rest of the period is mostly just us acting like we continue to be on the penalty kill. Uh, we don't really get a ton of chances. Uh, Texier misses the empty net by about six inches with kind of 45 seconds left in the period, maybe. And then obviously, because this is Columbus and we are cursed, uh, Patrick Hornquist, because it's always, always guys that used to be Penguins, uh, scores with two seconds left in the third. Because, sure, we were six inches away from from winning that one in regulation, but it was not to be. Overtime was uneventful, mostly. Uh, and then, you know, it got a little bit exciting for the shootout. Uh, I was interested to see Miko Koivu uh, as our first shooter. Uh, he didn't do anything with it, but I suspect uh, he'll probably get a chance to go again. Uh, because for whatever reason, we it doesn't matter who we put out, we cannot win shootouts, um, which is extremely frustrating. Uh, shootout goals went to Jonathan Huberdo for Florida, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand for Columbus. I don't know if that counts as a goal that I should pledge money for, but I think I will, just because I get to make the rules for this. Um, and then... Uh, again, my new nemesis slash old nemesis, Patrick Hornquist, uh, wins it in the fifth round of the shootout. We went from 2 nothing up to win- losing 4-3 in the shootout, which is extremely frustrating and kind of typifies everything that I have an issue with with this Blue Jackets uh, team this season. Uh, coming up in just a minute, we're going to look at the power play, and we're going to look at exactly why I am so frustrated with this team at the minute. But first, I have got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Uh, do you want a protein bar that is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber? It's keto friendly. It's covered in 100% chocolate. They're super like soft and delicious, and they come in 18 incredible flavors uh you know we've got caramel brownie we've got carrot cake we've got peanut butter we've got orange we've got coconut you know if you have a favorite candy bar flavor then there will be a built bar for you uh they are just so so good like i keep trying to think of new and interesting ways to say how good they are but they are just you know i am one of those guys who is constantly looking for a protein snack that also doesn't taste like sawdust, uh, and honestly, Built Bar tastes way more like a chocolate bar than I assumed it would, uh, because you hear this a lot, everyone's like, oh, this, this one doesn't taste, this one tastes just like a candy bar, and you eat it, and it doesn't, but Built Bar does, uh, and you're gonna have to trust me on that, uh, and if you want to try them for yourself, good news. If you go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, you will get 20% off your next order. That is promo code locked on, all caps, all one word. You get 20% off at builtbar.com. 
NHL.com. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So we're covering everything you need to know about the Columbus Blue Jackets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with our new show, Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So losing is, you know, not my favorite. I don't think it's anyone's favorite. However, I could have dealt with losing if we had done more. Um, For some reason, the Blue Jackets have decided that what they can do this season is they can play good defense or they can score goals. Um, and so you can, you can see why this is, this is frustrating. Um, but the thing about, the thing about Tuesday's game, for me, anyway, uh, and again, I was joking with this, uh, I was joking about this with Armando Velez of Lockdown Panthers, they're gonna get a chance to bump up their penalty kill numbers just because our power play is so bad, and we went zero for six, uh, on Tuesday night, I don't know that any of them even got close to scoring. There was one where we kind of managed to have offensive zone pressure and pass the puck around a little bit, and, you know, that's all well and good. But when the other five is just kind of trying and failing to enter the zone or get set up or, you know... Even, like, if we can win that initial face-off, I think, but for whatever reason... We just, we can't do it. Um, And so it's frustrating, especially when you see, um, you know, we had a four on three in overtime. That should have been, that should have been an easy, an easy win for us. If the other team is going to take that many minor penalties, it should be kind of, we should be able to put that game away. Um, And it's extremely frustrating that we can't, and also I don't know what else there is to say about this power play, because it hasn't changed in three years, it hasn't gotten better in three years, and I don't really know what the problem is, I don't really know what the solution is, except, you know, something has got to change. Um, The introduction of Patrick Laine might kind of help a little bit there, Um, someone was asking Jack Roslovic, you know, what he thinks Patrick Laine is going to bring to Columbus and specifically the power play, and he just said lots of goals, which is comforting. Um, I would have preferred if they'd asked him questions about himself, but un- I, like it's understandable that they want to know more about Laine, who is going to have more of an impact on this team. Um, though I am personally very excited for Roslovic to make his uh, Blue Jackets debut tonight. I think he's going to be... I think if we can get kind of, a, you know, if we can get him close to what he should have been for Winnipeg, I think we'll be pretty happy. Uh, I know that we're looking at him as a potential second line centre, but if he can kind of stick in that middle six, then I think, I think we're kind of, we're on a winner there. Um, the other thing about Tuesday's game is, and you know, we've we've talked about it, a little bit already, you can't have nine shots uh, over two periods and still expect 
to win a game. Um, you know, like sometimes if we lose in overtime, I get really frustrated because you know we should have we should have won that. Uh, and you know, I think Tuesday is a in one way it's a really good example of that because we should have managed to hold out for literally two point seven seconds or whatever it was. Um, but kind of on the other hand, like we had no business being three two up at that point in in the game because we had nine shots over the first two periods like it was sheer dumb luck that we managed to score on our first two shots of the game and then basically just kind of held on until uh cam's goal in the third uh which again you know I've, i've talked about it before it's unsustainable it's frustrating it's not the kind of win that puts that gives me faith in this team and then of course we didn't even win we ended up pissing the lead away and losing in the shootout which i feel like we should have seen coming collectively um but even if we had won that game i wouldn't have been satisfied because that's not the kind of win that gives you faith in this team and i don't know at what point you kind of look at this team and say okay there's there's an inherent problem here I understand that we're missing a number one centre at the minute. Uh, Line A could be with us this weekend. Uh, It seems unlikely at this point. Uh, I know as of yesterday, he was at the UK consulate, sorry, he was at the Finnish consulate in Ottawa, planning to make his way to Columbus. From there, we need two negative tests from him when he arrives, and then probably Tortorella is going to want a couple of practices to kind of see where he's at, see how he's feeling. So I don't know when we're going to get line eight. And I do think, you know, missing missing a number one centre and not even having the piece to replace him with is probably not great. Um, but after a game like the win over Tampa Bay, to kind of turn around and do this is just incredibly frustrating like it felt like they turned a corner and then instead of keeping going they were like actually no we're gonna just we're just gonna reverse right back around this corner and be exactly exactly where we started um coming up in just a minute we are actually gonna take a little trip out to the west coast and we are gonna uh, look at something in the basketball world uh in just a minute but first i've got to tell you about bet online If you want to make a little bit of money this season, and who doesn't, you know, everyone's earnings are down a little bit with the pandemic and everything, uh, then I have got the place for you. Uh, BetOnline is the only place that has you covered with sports betting, and it's the only place that we trust. So if you want to put some money on, for example, Tom Brady doing the Super Bowl thing again, uh, or you want to place a bet on... I don't know, something that's happening in basketball right now, then you can do that at betonline.ag. Use promo code Locked On, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Uh, that means if you put $100 in, they will give you $50. If you put $200 in, they will give you $100, and, you know, so on and so forth. It's it's literally free money. Uh, you, you cannot, cannot go wrong. Uh, so don't sit on the bench anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On or one word to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want some more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports, who are going to be picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long subscribe to locked on bets wherever you get podcasts so it is the 28th of january today uh two days ago was uh unfortunately the one year anniversary of the uh passing of kobe bryant and his daughter uh and our friends over at rejecting the screen uh put together a really great uh, two-part tribute episode, kind of all of the guests that they've had, all of the stories that they've collected over the past year about Kobe and what kind of a teammate he was, what kind of a person he was. Uh, And so today, in lieu of uh, a mailbag, I decided that I would share a little bit of uh, one of their tribute episodes with you. This is Adam Stanko from the Rejecting the Screen podcast. It's unfathomable to think that a year has passed since that you'll never forget where you were moment when we all found out Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others died tragically in a helicopter crash. Everyone associated with the NBA has a Kobe story because he meant so much to so many of us. Our way to honor Kobe was to compile some of our favorite stories from interviews my co-host Noah Kozlov and I conducted with teammates, opponents, coaches, and writers who had something to say about the man who famously wore number 8 and number 24. We put together all of those stories, many of which you've never heard before, on a two-part podcast on Rejecting the Screen, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're about to play an excerpt from Part 1, which drops on Tuesday, January 26th, with Part 2 coming on January 28th. Subscribe to the pod today so you can listen to both episodes as soon as they're released. We pick up the story as Kobe was ranked as the top prep player in the nation, and his status as a local legend was exploding. There were even rumors of the Lower Marion High School prodigy practicing with the Sixers and dominating the Sixers star wing Jerry Stackhouse in games of one-on-one. Rex Walters was on the Sixers in 96 and told us how he remembered it. Kobe did come to practices or he would come afterwards and come work out at St. Joe's because me not knowing who Kobe was, like, you know, once again, I, I didn't follow high school basketball. I was an NBA player. I wasn't into that. I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm leaving to go uh, home. I'm, I'm kind of straightening up in the locker room and, and Kobe sure enough walks in. And I'm like, just making conversation with this kid. I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, what you doing here? Like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. And I'm like, Oh, you're a pretty good player. Like, this guy had to be looking at me like, what, what are you, some kind of idiot or something? Because, you know, and then I'm like, well, you know, what schools you're looking at? He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Kansas. I'm talking to Carolina. He's like, but there's one other thing I'm thinking about. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, hey, you know, Dean Smith was a great coach for Michael Jordan. You know, you should think about Carolina. Obviously, Coach Williams is my coach, great coach. You should think about those schools trying to, trying to help out my guy. Uh, you know, next, next thing you know, next preseason game, this guy's freaking like, yelling over to his point guard, Nick Van X, like, hey, and I'm guarding. I'm like, I got a mouse over here. I got a mouse. I'm like, man, that's, that's a little disrespectful. I tried to help you, my man, and, and, and you're calling mouse in the house on me. 
So obviously he had to be thinking to himself, what is this guy talking about? So back to Kobe as the nation's top high school player and those rumors we are hearing of Kobe regularly beating Stackhouse one-on-one. We talked to Jeff Perlman, who wrote the incredible book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Laker dynasty. He said that story was all fabricated. It's crap. Like, it's actually crap. It's just total BS. And um, it's funny because uh, I basically I reached out to, because you hear all these stories, right? You hear all these stories about Kobe and he's, he's with the Sixers and he's lighting them up and blah, blah, blah. And he was definitely a, a great player and definitely showed his skills. And the guys were like, yeah, this guy's going to be something. But um, I reached out to Stackhouse via Twitter. I, I profiled Stackhouse for the Wall Street Journal years ago. And I just reached out to him. I don't have a tweet in front of me, but he wrote like, I'm sure like you, you, this is the first thing I think of when people say we're we're so-and-so regret having spoken about Kobe. Like he basically said, I've never heard Kobe say they were true, but I've also never heard him say they were false. So ask him. Um, (laughs) And like the thing that I I think is really cool about Kobe and the, uh, and the Sixers workouts, he did not dominate Jerry Stackhouse, pure BS, but, he took it to those guys. Um, imagine being, I remember I ran college, I ran uh, cross country at university of Delaware. And I remember my first year, freshman, freshman year, I went out to run with the rest of the team and they were all seniors. And these guys are like all state and all county and all these great runners. And I was terrified. Like I was absolutely terrified. I just wanted to hang with them. I was terrified. I was scared. I was just praying I'd be able to do it. This guy's running with the Philadelphia 76ers as a high school kid. <laughs> And like holding his own and doing it like that's insane. And then the other thing, when he was in high school, that I really like is he would work out. I got to remember the specifics. He would, I'm going to actually reread the book before it comes out. So I, you know, um, which is sad that you have to do, but you do have to do is he, um, he would work out and he drove from one workout to another workout place in the summer and made sure the heat in his car would be at full blast as he was driving just to build up his endurance. So like, I think he worked out at a track. It was like a 90 degree day outside in Philly, very humid, hot, gets in the car, blasts the heat all the way, drives to the other workout. Like he did little things like that that were just absolutely insane all the time. It's 1996 and you're Kobe Bryant. You have an unparalleled level of self-confidence. You've proven to yourself that you can run with the Sixers. And just a year prior... You watched as another high schooler, Kevin Garnett, got selected fifth overall in the 95 draft. So what does Kobe do? He becomes the first guard ever to skip college and enter the draft. And by the way, he was just 17 at the time. 17 years old. Kobe, of course, gets selected 13th overall by the Charlotte Hornets, who immediately trade him to the Lakers for Vladi. Coming into that draft, everyone expected him to end up in L.A., and we talked to a couple of people on the pod who were with teams in that year's lottery. First up, former Vancouver Grizzlies coach and GM, Stu Jackson. The Grizzlies had the number three pick and ended up taking Sharif Abdul-Rahim. But we straight up asked Stu, why didn't the Grizz take Kobe Bryant? You know, he, he was a high school player. We were a very young franchise. And, you know, uh, I, I think to draft a high school player at that point in our development as a franchise would have really uh, been going out on a limb, not having this player proven himself against, you know, a higher level of competition. Although I will tell you, 
you know, Kobe was extremely talented. But the other aspect of Kobe was he was not going to any franchise other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, he got drafted by a different franchise, but that quickly turned around and he Mm -hmm. ended up in Los Angeles. And everyone in the draft knew that at that point. So we didn't think that was an option for Kobe Bryant coming to a new country or to to Vancouver uh, to play basketball. So he was sort of off the board. Leaving the country to play might not have been in Kobe's plans, but would he have played for the Dallas Mavericks, who had the ninth overall pick? Remember at the time, the Mavs had Jason Kidd running the point, and later in their careers, Kobe tried desperately to get the Lakers to trade for Kidd. Well, former Nets head coach Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in 96, and he told us that he thinks they had a shot at getting the high school sensation to come to Dallas. Here's the best story of all, and a true story as well. I was an assistant coach with Jim Clemens and also uh, uh, at the Dallas <laughs> Mavs. We're in the draft, and I asked, I asked the people who, you know, run the draft, I mean, all our uh, scouts, I said, who's the best guy in the draft? They said, Kobe Bryant. He's a high school kid, but he's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, we, we, we don't know. We think he's going to be the best. And they didn't know whether at that particular time they were going to break up three J's. Okay. So I made a comment to them. I said, why don't we bring him in and try him out? I know that the word was out there that he only wanted to go to LA. I said, but I think he would want to play with Jason and Jimmy. If you all think that he's going to be the best player in the draft. We were afraid to do that. We ended up, drafting Samaki Walker. I'll never forget, I was running around all over, you know, working out Eric Dampier and some other players and, you know, but I said, man, that's what we should have done. I sat there, even those five minutes before we drafted, I said, we should draft this kid. Why were they afraid to even, not even to bring him in? Because the word had gotten out there that he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to work out for other teams and things like that. I said, I think he would come. I think he would come and at least give us a, you know, a look-see. I really do. You can hear the rest of our Kobe Stories special on Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to the podcast today and hear part one on Tuesday, January 26th and part two on January 28th. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I think that's all the time we have for today. Tomorrow we will break down tonight's game. We will look ahead to the series against Chicago that's starting uh, tomorrow night. And who knows, maybe we will have our mailbag. But until then... Goodbye. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.